Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. Well, hello there. Thank you, Pastor Nate, for the introduction. As he just said, my name is Brandon Richardson. I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Emma. And it's so good, good to have you tuning in from wherever you're, you're tuning in from. This recording is going on our online, uh, to our online service, our online uh, campus, as well as Elmira. And so if I haven't met you in Elmira or I haven't met you and you tune in online, it's, uh, it's really good to see you. It's really good to meet you. Um, Emma and I have three kids. We got one kid on the way. We live in Waterloo, Ontario, where Slate Church is based. And um, we're having a lot of fun. We're coming out of a pandemic as a church right now, and some of the things are getting um, back in, in order and that sort of thing. But we're really encouraged by what's been happening. And Elmira, this will encourage you as well, of what's happening in our online community. Before we launched, um, uh, when we launched Slate Church, we had no online presence. Going into the pandemic, we were actually forced online and we made a, a, a um, strategic decision to make sure that we would uh, invest in our online studio, um, put a lot of resource behind that, make sure that it was done really well. And uh, we we're kind of doing that both to weather the storm of the pandemic, but also to create an online community that would exist past that. An online community that wouldn't just tune in alone, but would actually start to gather people uh, maybe in living rooms or wherever you find yourself watching and actually other slate communities to grow out of that, which we are calling Locals Plus. So coming out of um, the pandemic, we have two Locals Plus that are kind of up and running. Um, that is in Coburg, Ontario and Cambridge. Ontario and that's really exciting for us but the other thing that's really exciting is that although a good portion of our church has gone back into person in the Waterloo region that includes Elmira, Waterloo AM, Waterloo PM um, while that's happening our online community actually remains really strong almost where we were at prior to launching back in person and so you're not watching alone I think that's one of the things that I want you to know is that right now you're actually watching with a bunch of other people that are on mission um, hearing these messages, understanding, understanding that church isn't just a recording, but it's actually a, a something meant to be lived out. This might be the gathering that you're a part of online or in Elmira, but there's a responsibility to live this out every day of the week. And I want you to know that you're not alone in that pursuit. You're not alone in, in answering this call of what does it look like to actually start gathering people in my in, in my living room? What does it look like to make sure that this message goes beyond myself? What does it look like to actually participate this, in this together and maybe get into touch with Pastor Nate, who you just saw on the, on the screen, um, by, by filling out a Connect card and saying, I have an interest in starting a, a Slate or a Locals Plus where I find myself. A, a local, a small group that will grow into a location. Um, and I wanted, just, I wanted to encourage you, whether you're in Elmira, just to know what's happening around our, uh, it, within our online community because Elmira actually also helped fund uh, some of that studio or you're a part of that online community and maybe you are watching alone some weeks and uh, you're allowing God to encourage you and you're taking those initial steps. Know that you're not alone and there's a lot of people with you. And who knows, you might be like my parents who started Locals Plus, which is about to become a location in our house that we call Slate. Um, it's good to see you. Uh, Things are great. Uh, I would say things are great in our church and things are great as to the outlook of what God is doing in our church. Today we're going to be jumping into 
um, a, a new series that is, is unique, okay? So the way that, if you're unfamiliar with church, the way that churches usually do series is they usually do like a three to four week series and um, uh, they'll bump up another series after that. And it's essentially a collection of talks that surround a specific topic, subject, book of the Bible, theme, that sort of thing. So we just came out of a, a, um, a series called The Good Life, which was all about what does it look like to live our lives as Christians in a world that doesn't recognize Christ for who he says he is or who we believe Christ to be, what does it look like to actually bring people into relationship with God and into the family of God when we live in a society that tends to reject him or seemingly rejects him? And so we based ourselves out of, the, out of a verse in Peter and we walked through that for the last four weeks. All of those messages are online. So if that's something that you have questions about, you're wondering how to walk through that, I would encourage you to check out our messages and our services at our, at our YouTube channel. And I would remind you, if you hit up our YouTube channel, whether you're in Elmira or you're watching with a Locals Plus or online right now, or you're watching on demand, make sure you're making use of that like button, commenting, um, making sure that that gets bumped up in the YouTube, YouTube algorithm because that actually helps grow the church. It's another form of evangelism as we sometimes joke. But um, we did this series, and I wanted to address what a series is because we're going into a series called Matthew, and this series is a little bit different because it's going to be the series we return to anytime we're not in a series. Interesting. We're about to head into a series called Child Again in just a few weeks, all about revisiting what it looks like to be children of God, and we're really, really excited about it. There's a lot of special things planned for that, both for online and in our in-person communities. Um, but before we get there, we have this two-week gap that we're doing a Matthew series. Now, we're not going to go through the book of Matthew. That's not the, uh, we're not going to go through the whole book of Matthew. That's not our aim. Our aim is to introduce ourselves to the book of Matthew so that as we uh, return back to Matthew in between series, that we have a bit of a groundwork of what it looks like to dive into this book. So what this is going to look like, we have a collection of talks. We, um, we call them series. Those will be usually thematic or topical. And in between those, we're going to continuously return to the book of Matthew, and we're going to actually exposit the scriptures, okay? Now, this is interesting because this is very churchy language. Those of you that are in church, you'll be like, oh, man, expository preaching. Like, man, that can be some of the most boring, not the way we're going to do it. But what it means, eisegetical speaking, which we're never trying to do ever at Slate Church, is reading meaning into scripture expository preaching brings the meaning out of scripture. And what it means is that we're actually going to be going line by line through the book of Matthew, discussing what each line means when it comes to, um, when it comes to the book of Matthew and what Matthew meant by each of these lines as we go through. Now we're going to be doing that to give ourselves basically over the next year, two years of returning back to the book of Matthew. We're actually, if you're taking notes, which you should be, because this is like a, this is one of the ways that we, we build our biblical literacy, which is at an all-time low in Western civilization right now. But as we build our biblical literacy, we'll be able to look at the book of Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament that looks back on the life of Jesus, and we'll have a launching pad of how to look at the scripture that came before it, the Old Testament, and the scripture that comes after it, the New Testament, because Matthew is not in isolation. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit and relates to all the other books of the Bible. So as we look expositorily, that's a made-up word, as we exposit the book of Matthew, we will actually be able to look back on, on what we've learned in this, and it will aid us for the rest of our lives. In fact, it'll give us a bit, of, bit more confidence 
as we talk about scriptures with maybe friends and family and people that don't know Jesus yet, and those that don't have a, a background of faith, it'll actually give us the confidence to talk to them because we'll actually have a little bit more to rest our, 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 um, our knowledge on and the things that, um, uh, not just a generic knowledge of the book of Matthew, but a real deep knowledge that both encourages us, but also allows us to understand uh, it in the face of a world that doesn't understand who Jesus is. So, here we go. We're starting in the book of Matthew, and I'll see how far we get today. Um, the book of Matthew is, is um, a phenomenal book. It's written by a guy named Matthew, and I'm um, just going to check the time here. I have 15 more minutes to get into it. Wherever I leave off, Pastor Nate is actually going to pick up on for week two of this, which is really, really um, exciting. Um, the book of Matthew is written by a guy named Matthew. Matthew was one of 12 disciples. Now, for some of you, you're going to go, man, this, I mean, this is really granular. I've already learned this before. And that's awesome. But I hope that you can actually see some of this stuff in a new light um, because some of it's going to be new. Some of it's going to be um, uh, stuff you've already heard before. But what I want you to do, if you've heard this stuff before, is I actually want you to um, realize that we don't just speak messages at Slate Church just for you. We, sleep, we, we speak messages at Slate Church for the person that's tuning in that you invited for the first time that doesn't know what a disciple is, doesn't know who Matthew is. And so there might actually be somebody sitting next to you in your living room. There might be somebody sitting next to you at Elmira. There might be somebody tuning in from a different screen, a part of our online community that has no clue who Matthew is, and it's for them. Furthermore, the way that I explain who Matthew is, I hope I'm giving you language to be able to help you understand how to explain to somebody who doesn't know who Matthew is. So it's actually still benefiting you in your walk with God and how to reach other people with the message of Jesus, but what it's doing is it's informing you so that you can actually use the same information to reach others, maybe at work, um, maybe in your family, uh, that sort of thing. So it's going to be granular because it benefits you regardless, whether you know nothing about Matthew or you know exactly who Matthew is, I hope that we're equipping you through this entire thing. So the book of Matthew. An incredible guy. Uh, one of these guys that I look to when I think that I'm beyond the grace of God. I'm beyond the forgiveness of God. I'm beyond the mercy of God. I look to a guy like Matthew who gets the first spot, the first book in the collection of books that we call the New Testament. Again, the part of the Bible that looks back on the life of Jesus. There's this, there's this middle part in our Bible between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And that's like, that's, that's, the, the waiting period for Jesus to come. But the whole Old Testament is looking towards Jesus coming. The whole New Testament is looking back on what the world looks like and what we as people that follow Jesus, um, what, what our lives will look like now that Jesus has come. And Matthew gets the first spot in the New Testament, which is incredible because when Jesus met Matthew, and we'll get a bit of the, a glimpse into that later on as we actually go through the book of Matthew, but when Jesus met Matthew, Matthew was a tax collector, okay? This is important to know because tax collectors, while we still don't like them today, we don't like our taxes. We are people, I want to remind you, that don't cheat on our taxes as Christians, right? We're honorable in that, but we don't like it. Well, they dislike them even more. And the reason for this is because Matthew would have been a Jewish individual that was a tax collector collecting tax for the Roman Empire. This is really important to know because what the Jewish people were during the time that Matthew lived is they were in exile. They were um, under the Roman oppression. They were waiting for someone to set them free. 
And so in that, what we have is a Jewish man working for the oppressors to take something from the people being oppressed as a common, as a fellow citizen and giving it to the oppressors. And furthermore, not just doing that, but actually taking more than what the Romans, uh, Roman Empire actually needed and taking it for himself and, um, and living off of it and living a lavish lifestyle and, and having more than his peers, his fellow Jewish um, friends and family, rather than, than, than being an equal, he was actually elevated by the oppressor, continues to oppress the people that he's supposed to identify with, but then also takes more than his own fair share. And this is the story of tax collectors during the day. Well, Matthew was a tax collector, and the way that he came to actually writing a book called Matthew on the life of Jesus was that Jesus was walking by, spotted Matthew, saw what was in Matthew's heart, and asked Matthew to follow him. Now, this should be encouraging to anybody that is, is uh, watching right now. Because no matter who you are and no matter why or how you found this, this, this um, online experience, this online message and everything else, no matter how you found this, uh, it's a great encouragement to you because Jesus sees what's inside of you and he calls it out and says, actually, there's more inside of it than you even realize. You see, somebody like Matthew would have just been sitting and working his job and feeling like knowing he was doing something wrong. I mean, people that live in defiance of the people they're supposed to be loving and, and being a community with, I mean, that does something to your soul. That does something to you internally. You begin to decay living out that kind of experience. You're living in somewhat of an imposter syndrome um, simply because Rome chose you to start oppressing the people that you're supposed, your, your peers and the people you're supposed to be doing life with. That is something that would have been decaying Matthew. And yet Jesus walks in in the midst of whatever Matthew has going on. And I can tell you, Matthew has something going on. And the reason I know this is because Jesus looks at Matthew, sees what's really inside of him, calls Matthew to follow him. And what does he do? He doesn't try to hold on to this tax collector position like everything's great or, or, or everything's, everything's phenomenal or like somehow um, he's okay uh, or, or, or somehow like, oh, I got I to gotta just like check, check my finances and make sure this is going to work out. No, it says that Matthew immediately follows Jesus. He leaves his booth, so to speak, and he follows Jesus. That's an indication of somebody who's not comfortable where they are, but is starting to feel the dissatisfaction for the life that they're living, looking for something more and beginning to understand that Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, who came to pay a price on the cross, which Matthew obviously doesn't know at this point, there's something in this guy that I need to follow. And maybe for some of you watching today, or maybe for those of us that are praying for family or coworkers, which we should be doing if we know Jesus, is constantly having this evangelistic perspective to the world that we live in, where we're looking for opportunity to express who Jesus is to the world that we live in. This should be encouraging to you, because Matthew, Jesus has not died on the cross, and Matthew is called to follow Jesus. No, um, uh, Matthew sees who Jesus is, becomes interested, and begins to follow him. Sometimes that's all it takes. You might think it's an all or nothing to start, which at some point, what is required of us is to understand where we, where we stand with Jesus. But maybe you're seeking and, and just beginning to be curious about who Jesus is. I want to tell you that there is a place at Slate Church for you, because there's a place for Matthew amongst Jesus' disciples, his closest followers, for Matthew, who didn't understand who Jesus was yet, who we would get information as we read the, the accounts of who Jesus is and the, the, the four accounts. 
that we start to understand that these people were on a process of beginning to learn who Jesus was, not stepping out knowing who he was. And so that's one of the interesting things, and I think it's something that should encourage both those of us that are looking to the world and wondering how to reach them with the love of God, and for those of us that are starting to get interested in who Jesus is, that Matthew is, a, is somebody we can put, we can almost see as an image of what it looks like to begin to follow him. So Matthew follows him. He becomes one of the 12 disciples. The 12 disciples are a, a group of people, 12 people, 12 men in particular, that were called by Jesus to follow him, to live and do community with him, to eat, to, um, to uh, study God's word um, with, with, uh, with, with Jesus, to serve with Jesus, to essentially basically be in a local with Jesus. And, and this is a bit of a plug because we have locals that do this exact thing. We don't want to just be a church that sets, up, sets an event off once a week. We want to be a church that is living this out where we find ourselves locally all throughout the week. We want to be disciples making disciples. And what that means is eating together, serving together, studying God's word together, holding one another accountable to the things that we read within scripture. And Matthew essentially joins a local with Jesus. And over the next three years, he would do life every day with Jesus being able to understand what it looks like to follow the Savior of the world, the Messiah. And through that experience, it comes to know who Jesus is, the one that came to pay a price for our sins that we couldn't pay for ourselves on the cross. Because remember, sin separated us from God, but only a perfect man, only a perfect human being could bring us back in relationship with God. Well, Jesus fulfills that both as fully God and fully man. And he fulfills this, this and pays the price for us that, that we deserve, debt. Not just death on a cross, but just death in general. He pays that price for us on a cross, and he offers that as a free gift, the free gift of salvation. And all we have to do is, is understand and accept that Jesus paid that price for us, and we can enter back into a relationship with Jesus. I always have this image in mind when I describe what salvation means. And it's us on one side of the cliff, God on the other side of the cliff, and maybe you've seen this image before, but the cross is in between as the bridge between the chasm that was created because of sin between us and God. But the cross becomes the bridge that we get to be in relationship with God. You didn't build the bridge. You didn't, you didn't bring the materials to build the bridge. You didn't die for that bridge to be there. But you get to walk across it freely into relationship with God. That's what Jesus did. So Matthew gets to see Jesus in this light and Jesus dies on the cross. Matthew receives that gets their salvation, not because he turned from his tax collector ways, but because he turned towards Jesus. And he repented. He walked away from that, that part of his life. He accepted what Jesus did for him. And then he pens this book called Matthew, which we call a gospel. Okay? A gospel was actually a type, it was a genre of literature in the ancient Near East. So we, sometimes you'll hear this word. It's like the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gospel wasn't unique to the church, and it's not unique to us. It was a genre, a type of literature in the ancient Near East. Gospel meant a story or a biography would a better, be a, a better modern-day equivalent of somebody's life. It told their life. Now, there's a dual meaning here because gospel both meant biography. It was a type of genre. Gospel as a word unpacked also means good news. And so Matthew is the first gospel in the New Testament it's the first account of the biography of Jesus' life. And it's good news for those of us that would receive it because he's telling the life of how Jesus got to the point where he died on a cross for our sins 
and created that bridge through the cross, through his death on the cross, so that we could have a relationship with God. The Gospel of Matthew is a look into what did the life of Jesus look like and how is it good news to us today. Okay, I've got a couple more minutes here that I'm going to actually jump into um, some of it. Although I wanted to say one more thing um, uh, uh, about gospel and, um, and, and uh, genealogy. Um, we're about to jump into the genealogy of Jesus Christ. It's how Matthew starts his gospel. In fact, in chapter 1, verse 1, this is how we're walking through this. <laughs> and yeah, that's how we're walking through it, but we're probably not going to read through the entire genealogy um, today. Um, Nate's going to pick that up. I think that's what's going to happen because I've spent a lot of time introducing this. It says, A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And it goes on to say, and it starts going into all of the, the uh, essentially, the, the fathers of the fathers of the fathers of the fathers of the sons of the sons of the sons of the sons. And there's some women in here, and that's, that's key, and I'm not going to talk to that today because I don't have enough time. Nate will pick that up next week. Um, he says, Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez uh, and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amminadab. Amminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David. That's the section I'm going to touch on really briefly here today. You see, when you think of story and when you think of good news and you think of biography, you know, uh, um, uh, I have some favorite biographies. Um, uh, one of them is almost like a, uh, a business biography. It's called Shoe Dog, and it's about Phil Knight, the creator of Nike which is actually just like a phenomenal recounting of the, of the story of how Nike came to be. I'm actually going to be in Portland this next week, and I'm extremely excited because I'm going to be visiting their headquarters in, uh, in, in Oregon. And um, it's a very engaging and it's a very captivating story. I would put it in my top three, book, uh, three books, and that might be because I have a history of running. I really love running, and uh, Nike was, was created out of an attempt to... Um, give shoes to, to runners and make them faster runners. That's how it, how it began. And so it's a really captiv captivating story. When you think of biography, you don't think of a biography starting with this kind of a hook. A hook that is just like running through a genealogy. I mean, some of you, when I started reading it, you were like, oh my gosh, the amount of times I've restarted a Bible in a year plan and had to read through this genealogy and still don't know who any of these guys are. Like, for those of you that have read through this, it's not that exciting. Often when somebody comes into the church and they're like, where should I start reading in the Bible? We usually point them to the book of Matthew. Like, start in the book of Matthew. And yet I think for those of us that have read the book of Matthew, we're like, actually, it's not that like, crazy of a start. It's not that great of like an introduction to what the, the, the genealogy of Matthew uh, or, or, or the life of Jesus actually looks like because it's kind of boring. And yet it's super important for us to recognize why Matthew starts with the genealogy. There's many different reasons. Nate's going to speak to them, uh, a couple of, of them next week that are unique because of some of the people that are mentioned. But one of the reasons that Matthew starts with the genealogy is because Matthew is trying to communicate to a Jewish audience that understands the history of how the Jewish people ended up in captivity in Rome. And one of the biggest pieces of history 
for the Jewish people, for the Israelite people, that they would be holding on to them as they're under oppression to the Roman, to the Roman uh, emperor or empire, is that at one point in their history, they were radically set free from oppression, from Pharaoh in particular, because they were in captivity for 400 years in slavery to the Egyptians, that they were set free from that and led it into freedom by a guy named Moses. Now this is really important because during this time period, the Jewish people are waiting for Jesus to come, but they don't know they're waiting for Jesus in particular. They're waiting for a savior. They're waiting for a Messiah. They're waiting for someone to save them. And you have these different camps starting to emerge. People that start to, start to, um, uh, uh, they start to hypothesize on what the Messiah will actually look like. And so some of them, the Essenes, they're very overtly spiritual people, and they think, well, the Messiah is going to come riding on the cloud, and he's going to come in, and there's going to be a real spiritual um, upheaval, and he's going to transform it that way. And they're, they're mystics, and they're really interesting that way. The Sadducees, very involved in law, and very involved with the, the lawyers of the day and everything else. And so they thought they were gonna revamp, uh, the Messiah was going to come in and revamp the, the lawyers and actually prop up their position, interestingly enough, because um, we don't know what that's like as Christians uh, in North America where certain Christians will try to prop up their, with Jesus. Anyway, that's just a side note. But um, <laughs> then there's the Pharisees that thought he, uh, Jesus was going to come in and cleanse the temple. Right. And so he was going to bring a new priestly order to the current temple and set them free from the Roman Empire. And finally, there was a group of zealots. And um, the group of zealots just thought Jesus was going to come in like a war uh, uh, general and just basically kill everybody in the Roman Empire. Um, you could look up the Maccabeus uh, revol uh, revolt and that sort of thing, get a bit of a context for that's what they thought this was going to be. And so they thought he was going to ride in on a white horse and whatever else. Well, Jesus comes as a suffering servant. He comes as a newborn baby. He's come flying in on the, on the, on the, on the clouds. He doesn't come rushing in on a white horse with a sword and armor on. He doesn't come into the political system as a powerhouse, a type A type of personality, an alpha male. No, Jesus comes as a very vulnerable little baby. And that's what the genealogy is leading us up to. And that's why we're not going to go past the genealogy in these first two weeks, is because we're going to pick this back up around Christmas time, but the, 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 the Matthew series around Christmas time. But the genealogy leads up to a vulnerable Messiah that comes to set an example of what it looks like to live amongst oppression and yet set our sights on God in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of the craziness and mental health and all the things that a lot of us deal with to reveal to us that our Messiah knows all the struggles that we go through himself and yet still paid the price for us to show us the way. Yeah. Matthew is using the genealogy to set up for a vulnerable Messiah, but also to set up the narrative to show all of these different groups that were expecting different things from a Messiah that was going to come to save them, to show them that this is actually the new Moses. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. He is the one that is going to come to set the people free. But he's a new, a new Moses. He's a different one. Moses came and he, and he stood up to Pharaoh and he, let, and, he, and he was used to release the Israelite people from the Egyptians. And while they all have these expectations of what that Moses, that Messiah is going to look like during their time, he's setting it up to let them know that, no, this is the new Moses. 
Because by going through the genealogy, Matthew is, is, is actually reverting back and showing people the picture of, of the Jewish scriptures. The Jewish scriptures, it was the Torah, the Pentateuch, which was our Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deut- Deuteronomy. Well, the five books made up the Jewish scriptures, the predominant Jewish scriptures that they would memorize and they would use to remind themselves that the Messiah is coming, the promises of the Messiah to come. A lot of the genealogy touches on people that would find themselves in the Pentateuch. Well, Matthew sets up his gospel, his account of the Jesus story. He sets it up in five parts to mimic, to mimic the Pentateuch, to mimic the Torah that these people would have had studied to tell them they're at Genesis which is done through the genealogy. There's root words that I could tie back there. Genesis, there is a new beginning in this Jesus figure that you need to get a hold of because it is not just a new beginning of what your scripture is. It is the new beginning of this world. It is a new beginning of the kingdom that is to come. It is a new beginning of the kingdom that he is ushering in. And it's a new beginning of the, the life that you get to live. And so Matthew takes, a, takes some time to walk us through the genealogy, to give us hope that there is one, that not just the Jewish people, but for us today, that there is one that can take us out of our oppression, that can take us out of our, out of our slavery, that can take us out of the chains that are on our minds and in our bodies, that can take us out of these things. And it's that Messiah that can bring us into a new kingdom, a new future, a free future, a, a future where we are no longer slaves, but we are children of the Most High King. And so, I, I mean, I read some genealogy and that's what we get for today, but this is the start of our Matthew series. This is the start of our expository preaching through the book of Matthew. I hope that it's a good introduction. I hope that it's an encouragement to you. But I want to pray for you if you, maybe you're listening to all this and you're going, I got more understanding of who Jesus is just in this moment. And I, and I, actually, I actually want that to, there to be a marking on my life right now, a marking that says, you know what, I'm getting up from my table, whatever, whatever this identity looks like in your life, and I'm walking away from it. I'm actually going to put that behind me. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn my life towards Jesus. I'm going to trust, and I'm going to walk freely across the bridge that he provided for me. I'm going to receive the gifts of salvation today. I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. It's as easy, honestly, as believing in your heart and confessing with the myth that Jesus is Lord. But it's got to be something that manifests itself afterwards. It's not, it's, it's as easy to receive it, but then after you receive it, Jesus is going to, he's going to transform your heart. He's going to transform your will. He's going to transform your mind. Walking with Jesus will do that. But if you're willing to go on that journey with God, putting your faith in him, putting your faith in what Jesus did to pay a price for your sin, and you want to make that decision today, if you're watching Elmira, why don't you lift up a hand with every head bowed and eye closed, nobody's looking around, why don't you lift up a hand? If you're watching online, why don't you click a button that just says, I think it says, raise my hand. If you're watching on demand, just make that decision where you find yourself and I want to pray for you. Jesus, pray for everybody that is making a decision to follow you right now, that God, they would find their fulfillment in you. But as they step up from their tax collector booth, their identity and walk away from it, start to set their gaze on you and following you. They might not even know what that means. Matthew certainly didn't know what, it, what the journey was going to entail. But you use Matthew in incredible ways. God, I pray right now that while the journey might still feel a lot like walking on earth with heartache and trouble and things that pain us, that Lord God, your Holy Spirit would be guiding us through that, allowing us to understand that when we receive you, we actually are 
your spirit comes and fills us that we might actually follow you and be transformed in more into your likeness. So Jesus, I pray for anybody raising their hand right now that they would have the assurance of salvation right now in this moment, but also a desire to follow after you. Pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. In just a moment, I believe it's Pastor Nate's going to come back up and give you some more information on what you can do if you just made that decision. I just want to pray for um, those of us that have made that decision. And maybe we're going into the book of Matthew and this idea of studying God's word. Like you, Maybe you have a hunger for it and you want more of that. I'll pray for that as well. But maybe you're going, I want to have a hunger to know scripture like this. I want to understand it to this level of depth. I want to be, I want to, I want to meditate on it more. As we're going through this, I want to take this seriously. I don't want to take away notes and I, I want to study God's word and I want to understand who he is to spread it, spread this message, this good news to the world that we live in. If you're just, if you're just need help in that. And by the way, I remember talking to my dad one time and I'm like, I'm just having a hard time praying. He was like, you know, you can pray to God to help you with prayer. And ever since I prayed that prayer, God help me to like just pray to you better, more, have a desire for it. It hasn't been a struggle in my life. So maybe what you need today is just like, God, I want to have a deeper hunger for who you are. If that's you, every head bowed, wherever you find yourself, why don't you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. My hand's up. Jesus, I want a deeper hunger for who you are. Even my current level of hunger is not enough. It's not going to sustain me. I can't rely on past seasons to get me through what you're calling me into next. For all of us raising our hands, that's our story. We can't rely on what we know of you now and what we've received from you in the past to lead us into the future you have. So God, may you fill us in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.